It's the family we make along the way. Roy Edward Moran, born to Clifton Edward Moran Jr. and Juanita Jean Sivright Moran on November 12th, 1954. Thank you. I know I don't look that old. <laughs> David Wayne Moran, a sibling. I was preceded in death by a miscarriage that my mother had before I was born. And so I have another sibling that I can't wait to meet when I get to heaven. I have a bunch of cousins. They all live scattered all over the place. I grew up as a, a kid in an uh, Air Force family. I, grew, I literally moved every three years until I graduated from high school. And I would be put in a new school with new friends and those kinds of things. And so for me, the family you make along the way, uh, it, it just, it, it rings well because I really, when I was in high school, I, I came to understand who Jesus was. This whole story, even though I grew up, my parents took me to church like crazy all the time. Um, my dad had all kinds of titles in the church and stuff like that. Um, I did not understand who Jesus was, why he came, why he lived, why he died, and why he rose. I just didn't understand. I didn't get it. And then when I was 17, it all made incredible sense to me. And as, as I came to embrace Jesus, invite him in and welcome him in my life and begin to show him hospitality in the different rooms in my world, um, a number of friends were doing the same thing. And I had an opportunity to build a brand new family. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't dislike my family. My father was as good a father as most people could ask for, and same with my mother. Um, and, and I grew up in a very stable home, uh, all kinds of stuff, had all the love and stuff. But, but even in that situation, uh, there are plenty of things that my parents didn't do for me that I needed done. They weren't the perfect parents. They were just good parents. And so there was a necessity for me to find a family along the way. And when I began to embrace Jesus, God was gracious enough to bring a few people into my life. And, and we did life together uh, in that next two years uh, as we were in high school and then somewhat after we were in high school, even though we split apart. And, and then we got into our adult lives, and I lost that family. I didn't lose them. We were in contact. But when we started Shoal Creek, I didn't realize that it would come with an extra added benefit of a new family along the way. And we gained incredible friends. And uh, we did all kinds of things together. And, and when periods in my life... When the pain and agony of different things came along, when I had children who went off the rails and uh, the, the agony of being an adolescent parent, those people were there. They were crying with me when I was crying. 
They were praying with me. They were supporting me. They were encouraging me when I desperately needed it. Because the family that God had given me, the biological family, really wasn't there. Not that they wouldn't be there, but they were just distant now. My brother lives in, in Georgia. And all of my extended relatives live mostly in Arkansas. And I don't want to go there. Um, Sorry for those of you watching online. I just found out a few weeks ago that some of my relatives do watch online. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just, it's, it's just for the humor of it. It's not real. So, um, but um, you and I were created to live in this family, to have a family, to have people we can laugh with and we can cry with. And if you open the pages of the Bible, it's fascinating. Even in those, um, those, those sort of obscure pages that no one ever turns to. Like, you know, for those of you that know books of the Bible, I mean, when's the last time that you turned to the book of Leviticus for comfort? For those of you that don't know, that it's just a, it's, it's a, just a, a, a book full of a lot of laws, a lot of things. But even in the middle of that, those kinds of things... You see this in, incredible um, care for one another, incredible care for your neighbors, this uh, need to reach out to those who live amongst you who are strangers, regulations about how good they should be treated among you. And as you proceed throughout the Bible, you, you see that God has created us for family and as I mentioned earlier sometimes the family we'll sit with on Thursdays just not that family and so the question that I would love to leave with you today I'm not anywhere near finished so don't get excited um, the, the question I would love to leave with you today is 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 where's that family where Where's that? Now, maybe, maybe you are one of the, the one percenters that that family is the biological family you have. And you can laugh with them and you can cry with them. And uh, they love you at your worst. And you love them at their worst. But that's not usually the case. Usually, if we have that, we have had to make it. You know, what's interesting is you watch Ted Lasso. If, if you haven't seen any of it, you might look at AFC Richmond and think they're a winning team. But if you've watched Ted Lasso, you know that they actually are a losing team. They are in the Premier League, if you know what that is in Europe. You know, like, it's like the NFL of, of, of uh, you know, world football, football, so with a U, not an O-O. And they get relegated. They fall out. And it's like they, they're playing in the, the major leagues in baseball and they have to go to the AAA. They get down. So, so they're not a team that's winning by any stretch of the imagination. But along the way, what pulls them together is amazing. If you watch the show, uh, Higgins invites the whole team every year to his family Christmas. And he tells his wife just before this that maybe... You know, they've had no more than two come in the past, and the whole team comes this year. It's the effect of Ted on the team. 
the effect of needing one another and then intentionally acting to love one another. But it, it takes some intention. It takes some uh, desire. And, and sometimes for you and I, uh, we experience, and especially sort of uh, as a result of this, uh, this period of pandemic that we have experienced where we were all locked up and uh, told not to, to get within six feet of one another and we all became experts online and learned what Zoom was and all that kind of stuff. And we, we start looking at screens all the time. It multiplied a kind of loneliness that many of us face. Some of us face depression for the very first time simply because we didn't have that human stimulation that we're so used to. We are built. We're made in the image of God. And you know, that, that's a, just a short little phrase, but when that happens and we, we unfold the scriptures, we see that that, that, that tri-unity, that God is a father, a son, and spirit. Three individual people that relate together as one God. Now, I don't understand that, really. I mean, it's a little crazy. It's like, you know, dope smoking type stuff. You get, you know, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? You know, it's, it's, it's just lunacy in some ways. But, but that's what the Bible suggests. That's what it, 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 that's a picture it gives us of this God who it lives as a tri-community. And we're made in that image. And that's why we feel so lonely. That's why we get depressed. It's why our heart aches to be loved, to be appreciated, to be respected, to be heard. To just have a body around us to talk about anything. Because we were made to live in that community just like the God that created us but it has to be intentional because it just doesn't happen um, it doesn't happen in a good way necessarily and what's fascinating as we watch Ted and his crew um, they have an opportunity to to create that and, and it happens intentionally so let's take a look This is lovely. Yeah, ever since I was little, I always used to dream about sitting down with a bunch of mates talking about the complex dynamics between men and women. What's happening? You having a meeting? Yep, I'm having lady problems. You know, I'd love to get your perspective no. on it. No! Ted, can I be honest with you? Come on, let her rip. You seem intent on going 12 rounds with yourself. Why? What did you do wrong? He's right. Time to get you some of these. What, scissors? Yeah, to cut yourself some slack. Wow. Y'all stuck the landing on that. That was nice. Tell you what, I gotta get y'all some satin jackets made with Ted Lasso's personal dilemma squad embroidered on the back there. Uh, oh, that's a clunky name. There's gotta be something better here. Let me think. Oh, I know. How about uh, the EQ Warriors? The Knights of Support? Mm -hmm. uh, sounds like a brand of jockstrap. <laughs> <laughs> What about the Diamond Dogs? And a boy, Nate. Diamond Dogs it is. Woo! Oh! Hi, Roy. Hmm. 
Something on your mind? Is that Grant all I get to go on? Me and Kaylee might be starting up a thing, but every time I think about her, all I think about is Jamie. Ooh-wee. Sounds to me like someone's trapped inside life's most complicated shape, the love triangle. Second place, of course, is the I just walked in on my mother-in-law changing into her swimsuit dodecahedron. Does my face look like it's in the mood for shape-based jokes? No, Roy, it does not. But in my defense, it rarely does. Oh, I know exactly what to do here, though. What are you doing? Mm, don't you fret, my fine furry fella. In a matter of minutes, your relationship dilemma will be in the past, for I am rounding up the Diamond Dogs. The Diamond Dogs? It's just a group of people who care, Roy. Not unlike folks at a hip-hop concert whose hands are not in the air. OK, so this is about you and Keeley, right? Saw this coming. Nothing like the early days of courtship. I think the idea of you and Keeley is like cookies and cream. And I think we all agree, two great tastes that go great together, right? Yeah, perfect analogy. I can't control my feelings. Well, then by all means, you should let them control you. Ah, he's doing it again. <laughs> Good eye. Look, Roy, all this Chandler banging aside, do me a favor. Don't let her pass muck around with y'all's future, OK? Coach, you want to bring this home? Grow up and get over it. The Diamond Dogs have struck again. I We should get a uh, royalty on the number of you who have been signing up for Apple Plus TV. Um, so how did the Diamond Dogs start? Sort of a screwy little thing, almost like a bunch of kids uh, in their adolescence putting together a little club. But it started because of Ed's, uh, excuse me, Ted's authenticity. He, he was authentic. He, he, he had a problem he was struggling with. And if you watch Ted Lasso, you know that he's not a perfect guy by any means. He's got some demons that, that literally uh, leave him incapacitated at times. And he's struggling with it. But those demons come out because he's authentic with other people. He invites them into his world. And so as we sit around and we find ourselves lonely, we find ourselves wanting to, to, to be able to, to, to have a posse, a crew, a tribe, uh, a family that we gather along the way, uh, part of the problem exists with us in our inability to be authentic with one another. I love what Paul tells us in Galatians 6 when he says, look, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. How do you bear someone's burdens if you don't know that they are bearing them themselves? It, it, it takes a sense of authenticity. It takes a first step in a sense. Uh, a, a way to kind of live a life that is available to other people. And if you're like me, I have... I have got a PhD in living a life that puts up this imposter. I want you to think about me the way I want you to think about me. I don't want you to think about me the way I am. I don't want you to see me. Because me oftentimes is, whew, it's not good. It's judgmental. It's jealous. It's ugly. I say things. I do things, I do things that, that I don't want people to see. And as a result, 
I close myself off. And then I, I feel bad. I feel like life has given me a, a bad road to hoe because no one loves me. No one will relate to me. No one will be, is interested in me. And the fact is, is that it's because of what I'm projecting up here. No one wants to relate to me. First of all, they all know that's not true. I just have to get over that. I'm the only one that's fooling myself. And second, until we are authentic, we don't invite other people into our lives. If we want people to bear our burdens, if we want Galatians 6, 1 and 2 to come alive in our lives and other people walk alongside us to bear our burdens, we have to ask for help. Who likes asking for help? Most of us don't. Most of us have this independent spirit about us that we don't want to ask people for help. Now, we might ask people for help moving, or we might ask people for help you know, for a ride or that kind of stuff. But, but to move into a situation where Ted moved into and says, hey, I've, I've got a, a problem. I've got a, a problem with a girl. Can you guys help me sort through it? That's just not normal type of stuff that happens in my world. I don't know about you, but it just doesn't. Because most of us are unwilling to open the door and invite people in. Some of us might even have people knocking at the door, wanting to come in. Now, the friends that kick the door down, you probably don't want to let in anyway, okay? I mean, I realize we've all got those kind of people that just come barging in and say stuff they shouldn't say and that kind of stuff. But it's the people who knock politely and want in. Those are the people that genuinely want to bear our burdens. But sometimes we're not listening for that knock. We're not paying attention. And also we're fearful. We're fearful that if they knew about us what we knew about ourselves, they wouldn't love us. But that, that's just, that's just a, a lie, I believe, that Satan loves for humans to believe. He loves for us to believe that if people knew the worst about us, they wouldn't like us. But there's a, another thing going on here that we fail to understand. And this happens numerous times in, in Ted Lasso. And one of the most poignant times, it happens between uh, two uh, antagonists, uh, uh, two people. There's Jamie Tart. He's the young, upstart, brilliant superstar on his way up, and Roy Kent. Roy Kent is the old superstar on his way down. And Jamie is full of himself, and Roy is this gruff old guy um, who just doesn't seem to like anybody. And, and the two of them are at odds with one another the whole time until this happens. Uh, Mr. Tart, you have a visitor. It says he's your father. Yeah. Are you decent? <laughs> I told you. <laughs> oh, gentlemen, gentlemen. Oh. <laughs> hey, it's a tough one, lads. Yeah, it's a tough one, but no shame to it, because, you know, I mean, we only ever be. Uh... 
everybody we play. <laughs> so you pups have no chance. Oh, and there he is, my son. My own flesh and blood. <laughs> Poor Jamie, my son. Now, maybe I'm thinking his heart's still in Manchester and that's why he missed that sitter in the first half. Oh, ho, ho. Woo! You absolutely baldy. <laughs> <laughs> You're baldy, what were you thinking? Oh, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding, eh? <laughs> hey, look, uh, do us a favour and get them one bug past security. They want to go on the pitch, take a few snaps and all that, yeah? Rather than not... Yeah, they just want to look around, it'll only take a second. <laughs> I'd rather than not... Oh, well, you know, can I'll go little mood. Cos you got your hands dirty on a plate, are you? <laughs> Don't speak to me now. Don't speak to me like that. Uh -huh. Don't speak to uh -huh. me like that. Uh -huh. Okay, well, let's see if you can hear this. Hmm? You know that ickle TV show you made? It just made it easier for Manchester City to kick you to the curb. Look where you are now. Twaddling about with a bunch of amateurs. No offence, no offence. <laughs> huh? Don't turn your back on me, you... Okay, you can have that one for free. And you got a doping time! Hey, let's have it, Jamie! Don't you forget where you came from! Watch the door! Oops. If you watch the show, you know that Jamie's father was a problem. And no one really knew the story until they experienced the story. And when they experience the story, they understand more about Jamie in such a way that, that the antagonist of his life, Roy Kent, clearly saw why Jamie was the way he was. And he approached him, and he hugged him. You know, there's something about telling your story, as ugly and as terrible and as dark and as devious as it might be, the, the authenticity of beginning to tell your story to some other human being just creates compassion in other human beings. And, and, and sometimes, maybe many times, we have accepted a lie in our lives. And that lie is, is that I should live a lie to find love. And yet, Jesus says in John 8, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, and we come to know the truth, that we're fallen creatures 
We're depraved. We're messed up in every way. God left heaven, came to earth, lived and died and rose again so that we could experience that freedom. And then Paul goes on to say, speak the truth in love. And the question is, is that some of us haven't found that family along the way or struggled to find that family along the way because we failed to live out the freedom that we find in listening to God tell us the truth and then able to speak the truth to other people. To be able to stand, lower the shields, and invite other people in. That's what happens when you find family along the way. People commit to our brokenness. They don't commit to our image. People learn to love us in our messed up world. They don't shun away from us. That's the beauty. And when Jesus gets to the very end of his time on this earth, um, he's actually come back from the dead and he meets up with his disciples. And it's on a ashore, they're fishing, they come back and he's already caught some fish and he's already got breakfast fixed for them. This is a unique moment because every one of these disciples has deserted him. Every one of his disciples turned their back on him and ran in his time of need. Betrayal at the deepest level. They've spent, some of them, almost two and a half years with him and And when he needed them the most, they weren't there. And Jesus comes along on this shore, and he takes one of them, kind of the leader, and he has this moment with them. And he he asks them, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you you know I love you. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'm going to say, like hell I do, Peter. You deserted me. I mean, when I needed you the most, you actually claimed you didn't even know me. But, but Jesus didn't do that because he was focused on Peter here at this moment. And he said, Peter, do you, do you really love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. And he asked him a third time. I'm, I'm sure Peter was irritated, but guilty. You know, you're trying to overcome that guilt. You're trying to gin up enough emotion to convince another human being that even though I did what I did, I want you to know I've changed. And that's really hard in that moment. And Peter says, yes, Lord. I, I love you. That moment kind of gives us an idea of, of what the ingredients are to find a family along the way. That when we learn to love people at their worst, even when they've betrayed us, even when they have done things that have hurt us deeply, we respond in saying, okay, uh, I want to know your story. Your story will help me understand why you did what you did. It won't erase the feelings. It won't erase the pain and that kind of stuff. But, but it will give me an emotional shock absorber to practice the art of forgiving. And that's what family along the way has to have, is this opportunity this uh, ability, this ingredient to love one another 
at our worst. Let's pray. Father, um, you loved us at our worst. You came um, when we were your enemies. We were running from you, and you came running after us. We don't experience that kind of human love, hardly any place in this world. But we read about it in this book. We read about it in the pages here. And so we, we so desperately want to figure that out. We want, to, we want to experience that, so help us. For some of us, Father, it means saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. It means embracing my own depravity to realize I am broken. I need, I need a Savior, but I also need a King. I need a new energy in my life. I need a new center. I need someone to show me the way. I need to listen to someone else besides myself. Brothers of us, Father, we've been on this road for a while. We, we veer off we get back on, and we're struggling, but I pray, Father, that for all of us that we might experience the identity of being a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and that would give us the, the center to be able to live authentically and invite a new family to move along with us. Father, thank you that you make that possible in Jesus' name. Amen.